Hello and welcome to the CCW Safe podcast. I'm Rob High in Oklahoma City, I'm joined by Philip Naiman, and I believe it looks like you're back home today, Phil. I am. I am heading to Prescott this afternoon. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Um, busy week this week so far. We uh, we had a a lot of activity over the weekend as far as uh, emergency incidents uh, for CCW safe. Uh, oh, fortunately, yeah, fortunately, we didn't have to roll out on anything. Um, but it's one of those that I always want our members to understand that uh, part of our service is if you're involved in a self-defense incident that results in great bodily injury or death, we are sending guys to you. Um, experienced guys, guys that are investigators where we're getting things together. Um, and we're not necessarily working your investigation, but we're going to make sure that the investigation is, is being worked properly and fairly and fairly. Yes. And, and also we're going to kind of guide you through, because if you've never been through anything like that, you're just overwhelmed with how many things are coming at you and, and what all is fixing to happen. Um, so Not it's to mention your own, your own personal emotions. Absolutely. You know, yeah, you and, fight for and, your life. You've got that adrenaline going boom, 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 boom. And then by the time the investigators get there, start asking questions, the adrenaline's coming out of your body and you don't know why, but you're shaking and, you know, as it comes out of your body, out of your bloodstream and your body reprocesses that, um, it is a very emotional time. Even if you're not upset, it those hormones just knock you off your game. Yeah, absolutely. But we were very fortunate. Um, matter of fact, Saturday evening, I believe it was, we we had two that I want to say it seemed like they came in within an hour of each other, just bang, bang. Um, but, you know, it's important to know um, that when that bell is rung, when that call is made, um, it's answered immediately. Uh, there's a number of people that immediately get notified and it, and it covers our founders, it covers our legal teams, it covers our investigators, uh, it covers our new president. Everybody gets pulled into this and, and these notifications are made. Um, but, but fortunately, these were less than major incidents, um, things that could be handled with attorney help and that kind of thing. So, Well, thank God for that. You know, when you are a CCW Safe member, you get a card, a couple cards, I think, with, uh, with the phone number on it. It's a nice, heavy card. And, you know, I know what I need to call, right? But my wife, you know, if there's something happens at the house, well, the place where the firearm is, the card's there. And, you know, she knows that she calls 911, she asks for assistance, she asks for medical, and uh, then she calls that, that number. So, you know, it's, it's important because, like we said, some people, like we just had Tony Blower on, you know, and some people train and train and train and feel like they can get through something pretty well emotionally because, 
it's been through their head, right or wrongly, but been through their head a hundred times and others in your family may not. And so it's very important that they get that kind of coverage and help as immediately before they just tell their life story. I mean, I have a wonderful wife. Okay. But if we go to the store, I feel like she feels that she needs to explain everything to the cashier. <laughs> It's, just, it's human nature, right? I mean, some people are, are like that and um, not throwing her under the bus, but the, and, and so if you have a tendency to want to explain everything to everybody and then you're in a critical incident, you really need to have somebody on your side because all those words you thought were helping the situation in the beginning are going to come back in very cold, double-spaced print on as evidence and none of it, no matter what you think is you're saying is correctly, is going to come out looking well for you. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And everything counts. Uh, even, even that call to 911, you know, as an investigator, that was always a part of my, my opening into my investigation is, is I want to hear the, I want to hear that audio. I want to pull and I want to see what was going on there. And when we get there, I want to see if things are matching up with, with what the call said. Um, everything matters. So I so you I get that nine one one. You get that nine one one call that says, "Hey, uh, I found a guy in a car here. He's a gunshot wound." Then you hear the hand go over the the mic. He goes, "Get the cannoli." Then you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're terrible! You're terrible. Yeah, he was just driving here. Well, you know, we, we, we think it's really important that, that you understand what you're getting in your service. Um, so it, it's just one of those things that we, we always want to push out there because there's nobody else in the industry that, that has the support staff and team no. to come and get you through. There's nobody else does. I don't think we talk about that enough, as I, as I mentioned to you earlier. I think that uh, the differences are so stark between CCW Safe and the services you provide and others that are heavily marketed um, every time you turn on a radio uh, that you really should spend more time explaining those differences, I feel. Well, you know, Mike and Stan, when they, when they put this together, they very purposely presented this to everybody as based on the police union model right. or the FOP or the benevolent association. One of those, one of those police things, because there's years of development and, and training and success that have gone into doing those things. And so there's just no, no need to reinvent the wheel. You know, as as law enforcement officers, every one of us has responded to officer involved shootings. Um, some of us have been involved in those shootings. So we understand just how overwhelming and traumatic that can be, especially at the scene, um, not just at the scene, the, the scene in the next couple of days coming, because this doesn't just affect me. This is a is something that's going to affect my children and my spouse and my parents and everybody, but, and your future, 
your future. Yes. And, and to have somebody to be able to kind of guide you and say, this is, this is coming down next. This is what we're going to do. So it's hard, hard, hard to do. I've seen cops that can't walk away from it, but you know, once, once you're involved in something like that, just shut down all your social media stuff. Don't, don't watch the news. Don't, don't read the paper um, because it's not going to be reported accurately and it's just going to be hurtful to you. So just, just some of the things that we, we put out there for our, for our members. I think it's very, like you said, turn off the social media because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people may comment on your page just to be hurtful. We've seen some of the things that have come down, you know, where somebody just has a political opinion and the hate that gets bombed on them. I mean, it's, it's people can be pretty bad when they're at home with their own keyboard and deciding to be, you know, and, and if you're going through something like that already and you see one of those trolls just destroying your, your character, it's, it's not gonna put you in the right from the mind, you know? So yeah, I would definitely stay off of that. Just shut it down. Don't let your family read it. Just turn off all your pages. Well, and it's one of those that, these these keyboard warriors you're talking about are people that would never say these things to your face. You know, they have that anonymity and they're they're hiding back there and all of a sudden they they become superheroes and it's not anonymity. Those are pajamas. They're granimals. You have the top and the bottom match. There's giraffes go with giraffes. Don't put the alligators with the giraffes. Come on. They they don't match. They don't match. Um, they, and they yell from the basement, Mom, I need another pudding pop. And some pizza hot pockets. <laughs> um, I like hot pockets. Don't go there. <laughs> With some little uh, parmesan on. We, uh, you know, we had that that great visit with Tony, um, and it's like we were talking about with him. You know, there's so many things that that we train for, and we practice for, and we've done all these things. But you know, you threw it out there that. You know, it's like Mike Tyson says, you know, everybody got a plan until you get punched in the mouth and your plan is gone. Uh, and that's what Tony was touching on is learning how to, to develop those things within us that are innate. They were not trained. They're just, you know, they're, they're back there in your reptilian brain and you're your autonomic responses, you know, just flashing your hands up and, oh my gosh. Uh, and, and being able to, to understand that I got to take that to that initial shock to react, to orient and, and become involved, you know, because it, it's not done. If you're still alive, you're still in this fight. <clears throat> that's, that's something that, you know, I've, I've got a, a really good friend of mine, um, young lady that I actually trained when she was in the police academy that'll be joining us next month, who was ambushed sitting in, a, in her car. And she was, was that AK or SKS or something like that. But she was shot, she was shot multiple times. Um, I was working that night. I, I know the, the, you know, the big, huge call screen inside 911 that has GPS locators on all the police cars and things like that. I mean, it was just like a flood of people coming into that scene. Um, even to the, the, the point that was so terrible that, 
you know, the ambulance is already there and there were so many cop cars that came that the ambulance got blocked in. Um, and these guys are trained professionals. They respond to calls like this, but when it becomes personal and, and it involves your own, the reaction is just so much different. <clears throat> um, but she can, she can shed a lot of light on that for us when, when we bring her on. Katie is just, a, she's a beautiful young lady, um, super, super tough. When you, when you see her, you're like, no way. She's, she's not a cop. She can't do that. Um, she's a country girl. She is country tough. Um, I've, I've seen her training on the map and putting up, putting a hurt on grown men. So, uh, I am really excited to have her on, you know, you'll enjoy her. Um, Look forward to that. Sorry about that story. I mean, you know, being prepared, right? Keep your head on a swivel. If somebody's laying an ambush, yeah. you're, you're going to be reacting. You're not really going to spot it unless they're just idiots. But if somebody is laying like that, she's in her car doing a report. She's parked somewhere remotely and the guy sneaks up behind her, whatever, with a semi-automatic rifle, high caliber. She's lucky to be alive. No, absolutely. You know, it's yeah. not. We had a, a case out here in Southern California. Uh, two sheriffs were in a vehicle parked, whatever, doing their reports, but there was a male and a female. And a uh, guy just walks up alongside the car and just starts firing. You know, action beats reaction. And, and when you're sitting down with your seatbelt on, um, with your laptop in front of you, because you have to do all this paperwork on every single call and you're trying to get it all done, you're, you know, it's, it happens. And, and unfortunately, there's horrid criminals in this world that take advantage of that. Well, it's like you're talking, you're, sit, you're seated in your car. Have you ever worked on a draw struck from a seated position in a vehicle? Because that's a way different kind of beast. Um, so I actually talked with one of the guys who was doing some designing work on holsters because at that exact thing, I was, I was doing a ride along and I noticed that, geez, if you have to get your pistol out, you've got a seatbelt across it because they have to, you have to wear your seatbelt all the time. Well, that's the buckle and the gun are right in the same spot. That's not a good idea. And my idea was why not have a second pistol in the car mounted on the transom? with the, the triple safety release, whatever it is. But if you had to draw a firearm, that comes out before you ever have to mess with your seatbelt or anything else. You know, it just it would make sense to have a, a ready gun because your long gun's trapped behind you. And not only that, it's not going to be able to come to bear quickly inside of the vehicle, especially if you have a partner. But anyway, that was my idea is you guys, while you're traveling, need to have a firearm accessible right here by the steering wheel um, to go. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot, but again, it, it's knowing your mission, you know, that you're talking about a, a first responder versus um, a, a civilian concealed carrier. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, you know, and, I know how to, I, I have, I've worked probably thousands of repetitions of drawing from a seated position in a car. Um, it was just part of, part of our routine. When I was working gang enforcement, we were, we were out very proactively chasing guys like that. Every time you turn a corner, you may 
turn a corner into into the middle of a drive-by shooting. We did that several times. It's it's amazing. You should but, stop turning corners. Just, just go straight. <laughs> just go straight. Uh, so it was something that we worked on, and there we had little little things. We rode two man units, and we had a little thing that would go. And as soon as that 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 noise the the indicator was to draw, the last guy to the last guy to clear leather is is the loser, and and you owe me a drink the next time we stop and 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 get a refreshment. It it's just the way we worked it, and we did it all the time. <clears throat> Um, in, in keeping with our direction and, and kind of going outside the box a little bit, lots of guys are out there putting bullets down range. They're, they're working on that skill set. But again, um, thinking about the mission, what am I more likely to run across? I, I thought it would be a good idea, and you and I have spoken about this several times uh, individually, to touch base on uh, first aid. Yep. You know, it, it, again, depending on my mission, you know, I, I always carry a pack in my truck. I always got something in my truck because the odds of me rolling up on a car accident where somebody's got a severe laceration or something like that is far greater than me running into an active shooter situation and having to go patch people up. But in the event that we are in that worst case scenario, it, it's going to take a little while. It, it doesn't just resolve immediately. And if, and if I take a, a round and I know that help is not coming quite yet. They, they've got to secure the scene and, and right. their primary focus is not going to be rendering aid to me. Their primary focus is to go after that threat and, and stop it. So understanding how to go about with emergency first aid I'm not, you know, I'm not Phil Naiman. I'm not going to pop out my my knife and and a ink pen and and do an emergency trach and always be ready for the trach, man. <laughs> but, um, you know, what what do you carry? What do you have? And so, on my radio show, Firing Line Radio Show, we did an interview with a gentleman and then we actually sponsored a, a couple of his seminars. Um, his name was Townsend. So he created this little kit. He does all the training out here in Southern, not all of it, but he does a ton of training out here in Southern California. And he does a, a workshop class um, where he takes somebody and, you know, he does a little drama at the beginning and, oh my gosh, he has one of those red pills, ruins a shirt, whatever. But um, what do you do? You know? And so from the beginning, you realize, I don't know what to do. I've been a civilian my whole life. I don't deal with that. I mean, the only trauma I've seen bullet wounds is when I'm hunting and we're not applying first aid on the other end. So it was really interesting because it was just a, it was a right off the bat, hey, what 
okay, somebody's got a, a chest wound. What do you do? And so everybody says, well, number one, you know, you put pressure on it. He goes, great. You just killed the guy. You know, there's so many different things. If a shot happens here, if it's here, here's, you know, and so it was really interesting. He went through his kit has all the different things for uh, chest wounds. It has everything for lacerations for bullet wounds. You know, if you want to plug the hole, he's got all that other fun stuff, the silly putty and, um, but it was interesting because the number one thing was every gunshot takes a different response. It's not all put pressure on it. You put pressure on a lung wound, you're going to drown them, right? Well, and, you know, we're, we're not doctors. We're not physicians. We're no. not trained. We're going to play one on TV. Um, you, and so to... And I've seen these things. I've I've been in the ER in a trauma unit as an as a first responder police officer and as an investigator. Um, I've I've seen guys that were shot through through one side into the other side, and and they had a, a pneumothorax in one lung and a hemothorax in the other, and I mean just in a bad way, and that those kind of injuries require immediate medical attention. Um, but if, if, you know, we were talking about, you know, active shooter thing, we pop in and in the mall and, and all of a sudden there's somebody that's down just the ability to, to get a chest seal on them. You, you're giving them the opportunity to live. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and so here's, this is my main takeaway from his class. I didn't know how to handle a chest wound. Okay. And so a chest seal is what Rob just talked about like that. If you have a perforation from your rib cage into your lungs, the air is going to go between your outside of your lung and the inside of your rib cage. It just leaks out as you exhale, exhale, it goes out. Um, and the problem, the main problem with that is that air pressure will actually collapse your lung, not allowing it to fill with air again. So you're basically suffocating from having too much air in your rib cage. Now that doesn't sound right, but that's what's happening. And so the chest seal, if you find where the, you have to locate the bullet hole first off, but the chest seal and it, it comes with its own little kit is this gooey junk. If you put pressure on the chest seal, you're holding the air in, or if he's, they're bleeding, you're holding the blood in, and that's not good for the lung cavity either. But the chest seal allows air to escape, but it does, can't come back in because it's it's a flap that closes against the, like it's, all, it's not Vaseline, but it's like a Vaseline-like substance that's very gooey. And as you breathe in, it shuts it. So the air can come down through your good lung and as you exhale, if there's anything in that chest cavity, it'll blow out. So the chest seal is a really unique thing and it's used for obviously lung punctures. Um, how else would you describe it, Rob? Well, it, it, it's like you were talking, um, it's, it's vented. So it, it allows air to go one way, but not the other way. It's like a uh, check valve almost. Yes, absolutely. Um, but there's so many other things that that we can utilize and 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 have on hand. I oh, need you know, um, before the the other side. So the other thing we learned because everybody says sit them up, you know, because the blood. No, on, on this they wanted the 
the wound to be as low as possible. So if you're shot on the side, they want you on your side. So if there is blood, it's draining out the hole, not filling up that chest cavity. I mean, there's just this, again, we don't deal with bullet wounds every day, thank God, unless you're a, a Chicago surgeon. But, but for those of us on the street, something that simple that you can get, you know, take your little class, get it, put it in the back. I have one in the behind every seat of my car, one in the trunk, one behind the seat. I have one in each of my range bags. There's two of them at the house. You know, it just, you just get them and have them and know how to use them. And then the best part about them is when you look at them years later and they're covered in dust and you've never had to use one, that's a good feeling. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, the, you know, there, I knew so many guys that were always thought they were prepared, you know, well, what do, what do you carry? I always got a tourniquet, always got a tourniquet. Well, that's, that's great if I'm shot on an arm or a leg. But or if your head wounds, tourniquets work pretty good, depending on who got shot. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just having the right stuff for the right, for the right situation. So, right. you know, the chest seal is going to work on the chest. Um, the a tourniquet is going to work on an appendage. Um, Even a makeshift, if you use, you know, your belt and a stick. Oh, absolutely. That's... Yes, you sure can. Um, at, when I went through and became... One more reason to wear a belt. All these people walking around having to hold their pants up with their left hand. Seriously, get a belt just in case you need a tourniquet. And then we don't have to see your underwear anymore either. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> it's the, the little uh, things in life. the uh, ability to keep a minimal kit though that can give you a response to multiple injuries um, I was I was mentioning when I when I became a firearms instructor and and I've seen firearms injuries on the range um, one of the guys was had been an EMT <clears throat> And even in like emergency situation, um, use the, the gorilla tape and a credit card. Boom, you got a chest seal. Um, but well, again, American Express, don't leave home without it. <laughs> uh, but you know, there, there are, uh, there are gauze kits that come with uh, uh, coagulants built into them. So, clot, yeah. so you, you utilize a quick clot and, and I'm telling you, you're not going to make somebody happy if, if you're going to have to pack a wound, right? Because you have to pack it. You have to, you have to physically force it into. You got to get the pressure where it needs to go. Yeah. Here's the one thing that doesn't belong in your first aid kit, because this is not rendering first aid. Standing there, videotaping it. Right. That's wow. right. How many, if something happens, nobody gets to action. They all grab their phone and it's, Oh, I'm going to, you know, it's ridiculous. People need to get into action, see what you can do. Um, in California, we have a good Samaritan law you know, if you're in there trying to help somebody, you're not going to get sued for reasonable actions. Okay. Um, 
I don't know if it'll cover my trach proclivity, but we hopefully haven't had to find that out yet. But it's uh, it's important that you're in the right mindset that, hey, I want to help. You know, it's not pull them back and, and you know, because it, right now you're here watching that. Well, if one of your loved ones was in that position and you weren't there, what would you want somebody else to do? You know, um, go that extra mile. I just feel that that's, that's so important. Most of the wounds that you see, um, especially in vehicles, it's going to be lacerations, right? You're going to have maybe some spinal cord injuries and you really don't want to mess with that other than to help stabilize them or get them out of danger. If the car's on fire, rolled over, something of that nature, um, in a precarious predicament on ice, you know, over a hillside, you obviously want to help extricate the people. But um, blood, you're going to see a lot of blood. People's head hit a windshield, um, their nose gets hit with the airbag, there's lacerations from a, something flying around in the cab of the car. And so you're going to have to deal with a lot of blood and, and you need to be, unfortunately, in this day and age, you need to be very safe around other people's blood. So in your kit, you know, you get the, you get the big old gloves. You also see police officers after they've finally got somebody in handcuffs, if they have to do anything with them, gloves come on. Right. So I think that that's a very good part to have accessible in your kit at all time. Um, a chest seal, a tourniquet, um, quick clot, pressure bandages, all absolutely necessary items. And Gorilla Tape, that's really a good one. It can come and in you, handy in a lot of ways. You can get into those things relatively cheap. Um, you don't have to spend a great deal of money to, to put yourself into a position to maybe save a life. Um, but there's other things that I, I include in mine. Um, obviously, I've, I've been a first responder for a long time, so I, I've been put into positions that have forced me to kind of redesign and retool a little. You know, obviously, as a police officer, I'm, I'm carrying a couple of flashlights on me. <clears throat> I don't do that all the time as, as Rob the civilian. So part of the deal in my kit is a little head strap. It's got a little headlamp on it. Good uh, idea. Because I'm not always going to do this in broad daylight. It, it, it's never going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. Well, or so you've got your, your mag light tack, tack light with you, right? The problem with that is you need two hands. Yes. So yeah. unless you can put that thing in your mouth, you, you know, so the head headlamp is a great idea. So Good idea. Uh, you've got, you've got that. Um, you can't carry enough gloves. Um, it, especially if it's a fluid situation and you're having to do a lot of stuff to, that you, you, you catch tears in them or, tear, yeah. or you, you know, you're, you're just filthy and you need new gloves. On, I mean, you, you're, you're going to change gloves more than you can ever imagine. So um, <clears throat> Caleb Kazi is a medic from Lone Star Medics in, in Texas. Great trainer, great medic. Um, we've brought him out to our place uh, and, and had him provide training. He did a range readiness training, first aid stuff. <clears throat> 
really, really easy, hands-on stuff. Um, and he takes a pair and kind of folds them and rolls them, kind of ranger rolls them to where he can take like a little snack baggy, you know, a little Ziploc. And he's just got like 10 pairs of gloves just all lined up and ready to go. Man, that's a great idea. I never would have thought of that on my own. Um, another, another great trainer that I, I got to sit and listen to, uh, Matthew McLaughlin. He is one of Jacob Paulson's guys. He runs Mountain Man Medical. <clears throat> um, Jacob has concealedcarry.com. Just great source mm -hmm. of information. Great training. His guys are all top flight. Um, we were uh, partnered with them last year. I believe we're, we're doing it again this year for their big, huge training conference. They've got a Guardian Nation conference that is just loaded with uh, just like top tier trainers. You've got guys that are high level competition shooters. You've got guys that are entry level skill building guys for new people. You've got, we we had Andrew Branca come out and do uh, legal update things on, on self-defense. Um, but Matthew McLaughlin was out there with, with his Mountain Man Medical Group. And one of the little things I got from him, and it's something I keep on my keychain, is that little bitty pouch right there is um, uh, a deal for uh, giving mouth to mouth. If I have to do rescue breaths for somebody, um, suddenly I... I'm good to go. I'm not going to sit here and worry about a cross contamination or somebody throwing up in my mouth or something like that, because those things happen. I'll do the chest compression. You do the mouth. mouth. <laughs> but, but yeah, if, if, if you're having to do some of these things and, and there there's people in the world that I probably wouldn't just dive headlong into helping. Um, but I don't know that I could ever stand by and watch a child that, all of a sudden needs, needs that kind of first aid. Yeah. So um, what was the other things that I had? I, I carry, I, I carry additional tourniquets. I carry uh, hard splints and soft splints, but I, I'm, I'm a little over the top with, with some of my stuff like that. Um, so if, well, it also if, depends on, on, so I guess it depends on where you're operating out of. So if you're in rural Oklahoma uh, and you could be 20, 30 minutes, an hour away from, from help, then that's going to be important. If you're in a normal activity in an urban area, you're only a few minutes away. So you may not need the splint activity in that area. Now I said under normal activity, of course, if we have a major earthquake or something like that, you could be days away from any kind of normal service. So it's probably good, good to have um, both ways, I guess is what I'm coming to here. Cause you just don't oh. know. And I, I've responded to some of the biggest tornadoes ever to, to come through the state. So yeah. Um, you guys yeah. should move. <laughs> May 3rd, 1999 was, you know, this, this thing was, yeah. was more than half a mile wide and it just went forever. 
I saw Nancy Pelosi on a broomstick going by in that tornado. <laughs> she was flying to California, though, so it was unfortunately okay. it's true. Um, yeah, there's just there's so many things, and and there's so much training available out there for you. Um, so so really, it's it's just kind of putting out there some food for thought, um, something that that you can put into your you know, I, I got things that I, I just keep stuffed into my, my range bag that, that they don't ever come out. That's right. that they're always available when I'm at the range. Yeah. That, that kit goes in the side pocket of each range bag. So there's one to set up. I mean, they're not that expensive. Obviously there's other kits. You can get whatever you want, but what I've got my number one takeaway from this, um, is that ranger roll on the gloves because I only have a couple pairs here and that makes way more sense. A lot easier to put back on too, especially when you're dealing with stuff and the gorilla tape. Now a roll of gorilla tape is, you know, half the size of a gorilla, but if you have something else in your kit that you might need, that's like a, you could even just think about your splint stuff. You can wrap it around that. When we were hunting in Alaska, you need to have stuff like gorilla tape because you get a tent tear um, or your jacket tears or something. It's great stuff just to keep the water out. So we'd wrap it around, uh, the walking sticks. So you've got, you know, seven or eight feet of, of gorilla tape, but it doesn't take up any space in your pack. So you can store it in this around something like that too. You don't need the, the Mondo. Hopefully you don't need the Mondo <laughs> roll of gorilla tape. Well, and you could, you know, you could put it around your trach tube cause you always gotta, you know, have that handy, Rob. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving that one to you. Uh, I'll do the rescue breath. I'm practicing my overhand trick. Uh, <laughs> um, but again, you know, we, we, we have the ability to, to take in those trainings that, that allow us to be our own first responder. You know, it, Honestly, if, if I prepare and train to self-rescue, I'm already in a better position. I'm, I'm yep. not near as likely to panic and, and become overwhelmed um, because emergency situations are, they're, they're just overwhelming if you've not trained for them. It's, it's like, if you watch, uh, you know, the military indoctrinates their their young soldiers in in a certain way. <clears throat> Police and, and fire have their own ways. Um, you know, we manufactured stress. Um, it was one of those that on day one, uh, you know, I was the training coordinator for for the police academy for about half of the entire Oklahoma City Police Department. Um, and to, to come in and purposely build a stress thing for you that all of a sudden I sit you down and go, okay, Phil, here's, here's this stuff right here. This is how you put a uniform shirt together, put your shirt together. And you can't get a button buttoned because your, your hands are shaking so badly. Um, that's, that's a day one stress. It's a nothing thing, but it's a cumulative thing that continues and builds 
for 28 weeks. And by the time they come on the back end of that and they roll out on something that's stressful, they, they're kind of inoculated to it. They, they have an understanding on how to deal with it. So even, even learning how to properly breathe and, and control your heartbeat and things like that, these are, you know, if you learn how to, how to do rescue breaths, um, we, we called it combat breathing. Um, I can, you know, if I'm injured, I, I can keep myself from going into shock. I can, I can maybe coach you, you know, Phil, follow me, do this as we're breathing, do these things. And, and it may be just the thing we need to, to prolong that response to when we, to we can actually get you to that qualified trained medical help. So these are the things that I like to push out there. Again, you know, you've, You've got the, the two that I'm, I'm really, really proud to have an affiliation with is Caleb Cosi at Lone Star Medics down in Texas and Matthew McLaughlin uh, with Mountain Man Medical. Um, you guys can go to concealcarry.com and, and get into his stuff like that. Caleb actually, actually has stuff that he does all over the country. Um, Matthew has got stuff online at concealedcarry.com that you can go kind of piece by piece build you a kit or he's got kits as big and extensive as you want that you can purchase directly from them and they're actually really reasonably priced so uh, I would really encourage our members to to kind of prepare to be your own first responder be be that guy well take a look at uh, some of the things that have happened you know the Las Vegas shooting, right? How many people were, I mean, lots of people died, but how many people were injured? I mean, hundreds, right? That's going to overwhelm any kind of a situation. So yeah, you need to be prepared to be your own first responder every, every time, every place. And whenever something happens, the fact is you are the first responder. The victim is the first responder. You know, the police or paramedics or fire department, well, they're going to get there when they can. They might be the first government responder, but you being there are the first responder and you need to, you need to, you need to do what you can. So when you go home that night, you're not plagued with the, what if I could have only done this? What if I could have only done that? You know, if, if a loved one's injured, I mean, that, that's terrible. What else is terrible is what plays in your mind after that is what could I have done? Why didn't I do this? And that's only going to be in your head forever. So those are the things that, that hurt people long-term and this is your chance to train and get the information ahead of time. Hopefully, like I said, your first aid kit dies of dust exposure and you never have to use it. But if you do, you know, you're ready and I think that just goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, what have you got coming up in the in the week ahead, sir? Well, uh, this week, actually, in Southern California, we have a group of guys that are up there cleaning up a forest road where people are allowed to shoot. But sometimes you get these not so considerate people that bring like televisions out there in the middle of the forest and 
just ridiculous. So these guys are cleaning up this entire shooting area. That's uh, um, our local hunting area is called D14. And so they're on Facebook. They're, they're organizing that. We've helped promote that forum this weekend. Um, shooting, I'm going to try and we're also doing some long range shooting on Sunday this week out to a mile out here in the high desert or actually low desert. Uh, so that's really exciting for me because finally get to get back out there after a couple of months hiatus and just um, San Diego out of the Paula range. They're having some uh, PRS matches starting in March. No, not March. It's starting in April. So anyway, we'll get back into that when they open those back up again. So going to have some fun. Enjoy good. it. Good, good. Um, I, I got an invite to a fundraiser. Um, it's something that has been going on for years and years and years. Um, that is a fundraiser for the Police Athletic League. And they do a big fight night. And every year they have uh, <clears throat> a big name fighter that comes in that is kind of like the the special guest for the whole event, but there's several fights, there's dinner, um, but it's a great, it's a little black tie affair. It's really, really nice. And um, are you getting back in the ring? I am not getting back in the ring, dude. I have been, I, I've been punched more than anybody should ever, <laughs> ever be punched. So. Um, but that's why you're in judo. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer, right? Yeah. <laughs> the headliner for this, the, the big special guest is Sugar Ray, Ray Leonard. Oh, he, wow. One of my favorites. My all-time favorite fighter growing up. I mean, just, I, I'm so excited just to, you know, I, I am a fanboy. So absolutely. You know, I, I would be there giggling too. I don't, I don't get silly over celebrity stuff too often, but, but this one is a big deal to me. So I, I'm so looking forward to it. It's going to be such a great time. Um, that sounds amazing. He is. Oh, I remember the 76 Olympics just. Yes. Wow. He, he was, was awesome. So fast. So fast. Um, and I, I, I was just thinking about it last night about all the great fights I got to see him in. Um, no mas. Roberto. I'll do Roberto Duran. Ready? No mas. I ate a burrito. No mas. <laughs> um, but you, you know, uh oh goodness uh Hearns and Hagler and oh my gosh just it, it was in in my lifetime that was like the golden era oh absolutely Bob. absolutely so, so it, it was a lot of it, it, it's something I'm I, I'm really looking forward to and, and hopefully we get to see a couple of good fights out of the deal too so uh and then Gary and I are getting ready to go and take care of our friend's for uh, their annual business meeting, but uh, it's NYPD's Retired Sergeants Association. They're, they're a great group of guys that uh, we have a, a huge number of, of members from their organization. So uh, we always try to go out and, and take care of them as well. So that's uh, an interesting thing with New York too, because there really isn't any concealed carry in, in New York for the private citizens but the officers have to carry their own. And that's, that's really a blessing for them that you guys are able to provide that service in New York. That's the only ones we can cover there. Um, mm -hmm. But, but really good guys, really good people. It's, it's like getting to sit in on the law enforcement 
side of the Sopranos. So I, I love going and visiting with these guys. They're super good people. <laughs> Some's a little of both. Yeah. <laughs> Use guys. Use guys. Forget about it. So, uh, well, we, we thank you guys for tuning in and joining us again. Um, as always, uh, you have questions, comments, suggestions. Um, you can reach me directly at rob at ccwsafe.com. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. So thank you guys so much, and we'll see you later. God bless. See you soon, Rob. Nice day. <clears throat>